If you're up on Facebook today, or even if you just looked in your outline, you see that our topic today is great faith. We're going to do one more, looking at the, at least, well, probably just one more, looking at the healing, asking God for, for healing in that area. We're going to take a look at one more story here in Matthew chapter 15. But as we look into great faith, I wanted to give you a little list here. This is a list I found. It's kind of fun. These are great, great reasons to be a guy. Great reasons to be a guy. Here's, let's see what you think of these. First off, phone conversations are over in 30 seconds flat. You can kill your own food. Three pairs of shoes are way more than enough. You can quietly watch a game with your buddy for hours without ever thinking, he must be mad at me. There's one. Wedding dress, $2,000. Tuxedo rental, 75 If another guy shows up at the party in the same outfit as you, you might just become lifelong friends. You are not expected to know the names of more than five colors. Here's the last one. The same hairstylist last for years, maybe decades. Great reasons to be a guy. Well, we can all, we can all read those and laugh at them because we, can, we know, you know there's a bit of truth to all that. And, uh, you know, I, as a guy, I know I don't like changing hairdressers. I like finding one and then just be able to sit down in a chair. They know what I want. I don't want to change. I just want to keep it going the way that it is. My wife is, is constantly, no, I don't, I'm not, not quite sure that I like the way this one did with my hair. And, and uh, well, I'm not sure, you know, they're going to go over here and try this one out. And, well, I'm, I'm going to try something new, so we're going to go over here to this one. And I, I, don't, I don't need all that. That's too much, too much for my life. I just, you know, same place, same person, generally on the same day. I have a day for the haircut. I have a spot that it fits into my schedule. And I get there every four weeks. And that's just it. That's just how it, how it goes. Because you see, there's, there's lists, there's reasons, the kind of the way guys are wired, the way do, we do things like that. Now, now ladies, are, you're going to be different. And it's not that one's better than the other. It's just, these are things that we, we know. Well, in the area of faith, I want you to know that there's a list you can compile to see if you have great faith, regular faith, or weak faith. And all you've got to do is take your faith and compare it to the list. Is my faith great? Is my faith just regular? Or is my faith weak? Now, if we're going to talk to most Christians that we have around us, most of us are going to say, well, I'm probably not in the area of great faith. But when we talk to God... We talk to God like, God, why has this not happened yet? My faith is great. Have you ever noticed that? We got a little bit of a discrepancy going on. Because when I go to God, I kind of think, well, how come this hasn't happened yet? I know I have great faith. But yet it's not quite there. So we're going to take a look at this, this part of Matthew. It's recorded in two different places. We're going to spend most of our time in the Matthew Gospel. Then Jesus went out, in verse 21, 
Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So here's the story. We have Jesus kind of coming on through the region. And this, this woman comes to, and asks him. And the Word of God says, the way it's actually written, she kept saying to him. She kept asking over and over. Now we talked about this last week with Jairus. How did we know that Jairus came and was begging? When you ask more than once. That's how we categorize when our, when our kids move in the area of begging. They've asked us more than once. We may still classify if our kids come and ask us something twice. We may still come and classify that as asking. But they get into three, four, five, and six times. It's begging. And it generally aggravates us. But this woman of Canaan came to the region. She cried out to him saying, Have mercy on me. Now look at this. O Lord, son of David. Now she is not a Jew. She is a Samaritan. How many do not know the difference between a Samaritan and a Jew? All right, a couple of people. We'll go over just to, in case. Now, uh, we, I went through, I've related this to you, I went through one of those uh, classes called Walk Through the Bible. Anybody never heard of Walk Through the Bible? All right. No. That's kind of fun. It's, uh, it just kind of gives you the overall view of things. And one of the things they were trying to help you to do, and they give you these, these word associations or, or pictures, they uh, help you to remember it better. And so, what we, would, what we would do is help you to understand where it, everything is in the Bible. Where everything is. Uh, how, do you, how do you figure out where all these, these things are? So, you had the northern area of, of Israel. You had the southern area, area, which is Judah. And these were considered to be strong Jewish territories. And Jesus would travel behind, be, between one and the other. But in between is the area of Samaria. And so what they helped us to do with that is you have the northern area, you have the southern area, and some area in between. Doesn't that help you? That always helped me. I can figure out exactly where Samaria is because of that. Now the Samaritans, what they were was they were settled. When the, when the place was taken over, they were settled with some Jewish folks, but they also took some of the places, some of the people from other places that they had conquered, and they settled them there as well. And so what you had in the area of Samaria was some Jewish people and then you had some, uh, uh, probably some Egyptian people and then you had some uh, areas from uh, Jordan and other, other countries that had been conquered. They took them and they settled them in this area. That was this particular country's way of conquering a place was they took the people out and settled them in some other, some other spot trying to help uh, keep nationalism down so that they weren't hard to keep under control. So in the area of Samaria, it had a lot of races. And what happened was that the Jewish people in the area of Samaria didn't marry other Jewish people. So they married people from other races. And so the Jewish people from the north and from the south looked upon the Samaritans as a mixed breed. And therefore, they despised them. If you wonder why they despised the Samaritans, that was why. Because they were Jews, but they... Uh, didn't hold to marrying other Jewish people. 
This is not a biblical view. This was the Jewish people's view at the time. So don't think God was teaching the people to, to, to be that way. That wasn't the case at all. But that was their view. So when you see the strife between the Jewish people and the Samaritans, that's what it's based on. It was based on this. They, they didn't see them as, as true Jews. And then the Samaritans still felt like they were serving God, but they were despised by the Jews. So anyway, tension was there. So Jesus is coming through this territory because he wants to get down into the area of Jerusalem. And we're going to find over here in Mark chapter 7. This is the other place where the story is. But we're just going to read a couple of verses from here. Verse 24. From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Now, whenever you have pictured the story of the the woman from Samaria coming before Jesus. How many of you, just in your mind, have pictured this story as this woman meeting Jesus on the road? Because in the Matthew Gospel, it doesn't say where he was. And the kind of the picture we get, I know I've had it many times, the picture I have of this is Jesus is walking on the road. And then this woman comes and follows after him walking on the road and keeps calling out to him, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And he doesn't pay any attention to her. And finally, she just runs in front of him, plops herself down, worships him, and Jesus stops. But according to Mark, that's not quite how it happened. Jesus went into a house. And this woman found out that Jesus was in the house. And she came over to the house. It means she probably entered into the house. How many saw the Facebook picture I put up there? Anybody go up on Facebook? Yeah, totally useless to put those things up there, I guess. <laughs> no, I found a really good one because this one actually had her coming into a house and, and everything going on in the house, except that every time I tried to download it, it wouldn't let me put it up there. I guess um, there, there was something going on with, with the picture. So I had to go out and get it. my second choice. So you didn't get to see my first choice. But the first choice had to actually pick this up, that Jesus was in a house and this woman entered the house and was asking Jesus these things. So Jesus was not walking on the road. He was actually in the house. So think about this. It's one thing if you are walking on the road and you're not paying attention to someone talking to you. It's another thing when you are in the house and you are not paying attention to someone who is right in front of you talking to you. Isn't that a little bit more intentional? This is a very intentional thing Jesus did in not paying attention to her. Now, if you are the Syrophoenician woman, and Jesus, being a Jew, is not paying attention to you, you could very easily get the idea that Jesus is not paying attention to you because you are a Samaritan and he's a Jew. Because that's how people did things. That's how it was. How many times have you gotten the wrong idea about something that someone was doing? An attitude they had? Something was going, they, they weren't responding to you? You ever had it where somebody wasn't, you were saying something and they weren't responding? Well, and you've got to go off and, and get bothered by that. May, may have been they just didn't hear you. But what does our mind go to? Well, they just weren't responding to me. They just weren't talking to me. Don't ever let your mind go to the wrong parts with, with people. This woman did not. This woman did quite a good job of keeping her mind out of the bad place of thinking about why Jesus was doing this to her. And he stayed there. So get this picture. 
Jesus is in the house. He might be sitting, he might be standing, but he's still in the house. And he doesn't make any attempt to, uh, woman, I'm, I appreciate your request, I'm just not able to do that. He doesn't make any attempt to talk with her, discuss with her, or tell her anything. But she keeps saying to him, let's read it again, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now, we're talking about areas with healing. This one is about one who is demon-possessed. It may be that she had epilepsy. That was one of the things that they uh, would deal with, with demon possession, was uh, epilepsy. Don't know exactly what it was, but whether you're dealing with sickness or disease or you're dealing with demon possession, it's the same authority used, so we can use this story just as easily. So Jesus is sitting or standing in the house. This woman comes in, but Jesus will not give her any attention. Completely ignoring her, though she is asking and asking and asking. But he answered her, not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Why don't you talk with her? Is that what he said in your Bible? No, they said, Send her away. But she cries out after us. So they apparently didn't like it either, that she was there. They're probably saying, yeah, Jesus is picking up on, on this same thing that we're picking up on. I'm picking up on this woman shouldn't be here. I'm picking up on that this woman, yeah, she just doesn't belong. We should send her away. Jesus is apparently picking up that same thing. We must, we're on the same page as Jesus here. And so he just needs a little bit of encouragement. Jesus wants you to send her away. Just, just tell her to go. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he doesn't even respond to the woman until the disciples encouraged him to respond in a way to send her away. And then he says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he's, once, he's saying, you are not in the house of Israel and I am not sent to you. Isn't that what he's saying? How many of you get offended at that? Mm-hmm. Now think about this. You could get offended at something that Jesus said. If I can get offended at something that Jesus said, then just because I'm offended because of what somebody else has said doesn't mean that I'm right or that they're wrong. So Jesus had purpose to pass through. He wanted to be unnoticed. He didn't want anybody to see him. He just wanted to kind of get on through. I don't want to heal anybody. I don't want to teach anyone. I don't want to cast out any demons. I don't want to raise anybody to life. I just want to get from here to there. That's all I want to do. Have you ever had that? You just wanted to get from this place to this place. And on the way, here's somebody you know. I don't want them to know I'm here. So you you put your head down, kind of walk real fast, and then you hear their voice. Right? Steve! Steve! Keep on walking. Right? I'm not paying attention to that. If they finally do catch up with you, what do you say? Oh, oh, hi. I am in a real hurry right now, and I need to get going. Can I catch up with you later on? 
Don't we do something like that? Jesus just wants to pass through. But she comes to get his, his, his attention. He's trying to, get, trying to get a hold of Jesus. I put a note in this one time I was going through. We haven't gone through this story all that many times. I, I try and look up, and this is a harder story to look up only because of the way that I file them. <laughs> and you want to know what's funny about it? I was, I was trying to look this up, and I thought, you know, Mark chapter 5, I know how to search for Mark chapter 5, part M-A-R-K, Five, and then you just put on whatever you just want to do. John, you know how you search for John? J-O-H-N. You know how you do a search for Luke? L-U-K-E. That's it. Luke chapter 5, John chapter 5, piece of cake. Easy to do. But I didn't notice this until today. Matthew's not quite the same. Because sometimes I type in Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W, and sometimes I type in M-A-T-T, period. And if you do a search for M-A-T-T, period, you won't get any time it says M-A-T-T-H-E-W. And if you do a search for the full Matthew, you won't see it when it shows up M-A-T-T, period. So I got over that and did a search for both. I think I found it all. It was about, it was about four years ago we actually taught on this, this uh, thing. So that's a long time. It hasn't been all that many... Many times, but there's a, a lot for us to learn from this. This is not in your outline. This was in an old outline I had put in there. It was kind of a fun thing to do. That many profess a knowledge of God. Many profess a knowledge of God when they need something. Have you ever noticed that? Oh, yeah. You know people, they don't go to church. They don't open their Bible. The only time they pray is when they're asking God to send them something. But look at this woman, what she says here. Have mercy on me, who? O Lord, son of David. Who is the son of David? The Messiah. The Messiah. So she is proclaiming, you are the Messiah. Not too many people come and proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. But she came and proclaimed him as not only Lord, but Messiah. And Jesus ignored her. Now, when the disciples found out, you know, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And they said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What did he do? Oh, he was glad. Oh, this is good. This is good. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. He was glad. When she reveals, you're the Messiah. What's he do? Nothing at all. Hmm, seems like Jesus has an attitude. Verse 25. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. All right, she thought that Jesus had an attitude about her being a Samaritan before. Now she's sure of it. He just called her a dog. Now you try that. You go out to a restaurant today. You go out to your neighborhood. And you find somebody outside raking the leaves. You find somebody sitting at the other table. You know, just imagine this. If you go over to Wendy's and you get something off of their 99 cent menu. And you go over to and sit down at the table to eat whatever it is that you got off the menu, 
and you're sitting on down there and you look over and here's this, this person over there eating and you say to them, do you know that this food is not intended for dogs? How many of you think that would go over well? <laughs> People are not going to like that too much. They're not going to take real well to, to you doing that. If you went out and saw a person raking their leaves, getting their yard all cleaned up, and you went up to him and says, you remind me of a dog. How many of you think that would go over well? You'd probably not be in their good graces. Jesus says, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. So he's calling the Jewish people what? Children. And he's calling her dog. Mm. Now, how many of you are offended now? If you're the if you're the woman, you came, you implored, you you begged, you were kind, you sought Jesus out, you didn't make him come to where you are. You said all these nice things, Lord, have mercy on me, son of David, all these nice things. And Jesus says, and you're a dog. <laughs> this is just not how we, res- we would think Jesus would respond. Kind of think that Jesus would respond, you know what, I know people are despising you and I'm not ignoring you because I despise you. I just, I just don't want to deal with you right now. Because you see, I'm leaving from here and I'm going to there, and that's what I want to do. I, I just want to, I just want to get to there. I really didn't intend on on seeing you here. Try that sometime. You're walking around the mall. Everybody's out at the mall. People who go to the mall now don't usually go to the mall. So you're walking around the wall, mall doing some shopping. And you know, I only got so many hours to do this shopping and here comes sister, brother, so-and-so who knows how to talk. And you see them coming on over and they're going to talk your ear off and you're not going to get done what you have to do. So what do you do? You have two choices. You can say to them, I'm sorry, I'm in a real hurry and I, I just I, I have to meet up with someone else down the road over here and at another story, and I, I can't be late. I don't have the cell phone with me. Um, I'll have to catch up with you later on. Or you could say, Sister, brother, so-and-so, you talk too much. And I really don't have the time to put up with listening to you right now. Do you mind if I call you at another time? How many think that's going to go over well? (laughs) But Jesus is basically saying, I don't have time for you right now. I'm going from here to there. And... um, you're not on the agenda. In fact, what I'm doing is for the kids. You're just a little dog in the house. Mm. All right. So most of us are offended. Most of us are bothered. Probably a lot of us would just get up and say, well, I guess we see what your true colors are. Where do they hear about this? Jesus, the Messiah, called me a dog. 
There's no time for me. Hmm. Verse 27, And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. (laughs) So what she basically says is, If you call me a dog, I'm a dog. That's fine. Because you said it, you're Lord. You're the Son of God. If you call me a dog, I'm a dog. Simply because you said it. That's not even argument. I'm a dog. But I just want to let's bring you this, this thing. You know, when you got the table and then the family and the kids are sitting at the table and they're all eating, the little dogs are down there at the floor. I've seen that going on. And uh, crumbs fall and those little dogs get to have some. So if you just let a couple of those crumbs fall from the table, that's all I need. A little crumb from the table. Be just fine. Kids won't even miss it. Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Now, see, most of us, if we heard that, that Jesus called us a dog, we would not be saying, that's true, that's true, that's true. We wouldn't be saying that, would we? We would be get highly offended. But she just accepts the truth and begins to put it into her request for Jesus. Now, we've gone over this for you before. I gave it to you in blank so you can write it down again. But in what ways does truth come to us? Truth comes to us a number of different ways. First off, truth comes to us in the things that we hear. It comes through what we hear. It comes through what we see. What we hear, what we see. It comes to us in what we sense. How many of you have ever been with somebody and just, I don't get a good feeling about them. You ever been there with that? Yeah, I think we all have. Just, I just don't get a good feeling about them. Huh. That's a sense, isn't it? I put it into parentheses, intuition. An intuition. There's a fourth way. Through what we hear, what we see, what we sense, what we accept. Put in parentheses for this one, reported. Things are reported to me. How many of you have ever been to a doctor and they gave you a report? The report says, your blood sugar is X. Right? High, low. The report says, your blood pressure is high, low. You get a report that says, your IQ is high, low. If we accept it, then we're making that statement true. But only if I accept it. I have to, I have to accept that. Here's the last one. Truth comes to us through what we hear, what we see, what we sense, what we accept, and also by assumption. By assumption. I have assumed some things to be true. You've never assumed anything to be true, have you? (laughs) There are some things we just kind of assumed. Oh, well, I assume that you meant this. You didn't mean that? Oh, well, I assumed that whatever it is, we've assumed some things. How many have ever, I, I, I think this ought to be illegal. How many have ever had the radio on 
and the people that are uh, being the disc jockeys playing the Christmas music, uh, they're, they're doing some sound effects and they do sound effects like a police siren. I hate that. I'm driving around in the car and they're doing some things talking. They play this police siren thing and I'm looking. What? What? Where? <laughs> Where's he at? Is so, did, did I do something wrong? Is he behind me? Have you ever had that happen to you in the, in the car? Driving around, you hear the, the siren and you're thinking, oh, see, I made an assumption that I heard the sound and he's probably behind me. He's probably pulling me over. And all through your, in your mind, just this quick, why is he pulling me over? I'm not speeding. I didn't do anything wrong. And we've got all these things we've accepted as truth, but it's all based on assumption. Then after a while, it comes, dawns on us that, well, they're playing it on the radio. Oh. Oh. Relax. Truth comes through what we hear, what we see, what we sense, what we accept, and what we assume. Our belief in those truths guides our life so that if the truth is false... How can a truth be false? See, if you accept it as truth, it doesn't make it true, but it makes it true in your life. But you accepted it. So if the truth is false, our life goes in the wrong direction. Now here's a couple of them. I just wrote in a handful of, uh, of things, wrong assumptions. <clears throat> wrong truth, I should say. Here's one. God doesn't care about me. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever gone some, through something for a long period of time? Because you've been going through it for a long period of time, you think that God doesn't care about me. Here's another one. You've all heard this before. Sickness is God's will for me. I've been sick for a long time. I've tried everything to get out of it. It just seems to be that sickness is the will of God for me. Now, if the truth is right, we go in a good direction. That's always a good thing. Uh, but this truth, God has a plan for me, and that plan is good. That will take you in a different direction, won't it? How about this one? God's blessings are for me. Yeah, that's a good bit of truth right there. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Why do, who, who do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, Others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? So Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Now, what he gives a blessed are you, Simon. Why couldn't we have a blessed are you, Syrophoenician woman? <laughs> no, no blessed are you. You're a dog. In fact, a little dog. Just a little dog. Not even a big dog. Not even an adult dog. You're a little dog. You're a puppy. Blessed are you, Simon Marjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. See, this is a truth that was revealed to them. It's, it's not something that they heard. What they were hearing was, he's Elijah. He's Jeremiah. He's one of the prophets. That's what they were hearing. But they didn't accept that. And when they got this in their spirit, when it was revealed to them in their spirit, He is the Son of God. They accepted that. <clears throat> Once a truth is brought to light, we have three things we must do.
Well, one of these three things we are going to do. First off, we can accept and act on it. We can accept and act on it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 says this, In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth. You see, they heard and they acted. They accepted that truth and they acted upon it. When we have a truth, when we hear a truth, it needs to result in some kind of corresponding action. Here's the second one. Ponder and prove. Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, verse 19. And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I'm not quite sure what these things are yet, so I'm just kind of pulling that in and pondering it until I determine whether it's truth or not. You can't act on something that you're pondering. You're determining, is this true? How many could say here, God has revealed something to you, but you weren't quite sure of the truth of it yet, so you pondered it. You meditated on it. You thought on it for a while, and then after a bit, it became real to you. That's truth. That's the truth of God. So it's in the pondering area. When it's in the pondering area, we're not ready to act on it. We have to get to that place where we accept it as truth. <clears throat> I gave you some other ones in Acts 2. That's Peter's vision that he had. He was pondering the vision to determine what kind of action he should have. Here's the last one. Reject and refuse. If you hear something... If you perceive something, if you see something, you can reject and refuse it. Second Timothy says this, chapter 2, verse 15, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hamenius and Philetus are of this sort who have strayed concerning the truth saying that the resurrection is already past and they overthrow the faith of some. So they heard, they perceived that the resurrection had already come, accepted it as truth and it sent them down a wrong direction because they began to teach it. They began to act on it but it wasn't truth and it sent them down a wrong way. When you hear things in your spirit, when you hear things, in your, in your mind, when you hear things with your ears, when you see things with your eyes, when you perceive things about other people, you're going to have to do something with that. If, it's, if you determine it to be truth, you're going to accept it and you're going to act upon it. Otherwise, you can ponder it or you can reject it. It's not bad to reject some things. Timothy was talking about some things that they, we, they should have rejected. They should have rejected that teaching. They didn't reject it. They accepted it and it changed the way that they went. Sometimes we, we interpret things, we assume things about our friends, about people that are close to us. And we need to reject it. I, I, I came to this, um, <clears throat> this little bit of, of truth. I was pondering a question for another person. And I took this and I adapted it to their situation already. I already talked to them about it. 
and uh, that's a that's a past thing. But um, I just wanted you. To, I want to bring this out to you because it can be be helpful in what it is that you're you're doing. And whoever it is that I said that to, not telling anybody else that I said it to. So just don't <laughs> just don't react to it. <laughs> anyway. Um, how many of you ever felt in your spirit that something about someone was wrong? There was something not right about that person. Something that you're, you're feeling in your spirit. And you got this in your spirit and it caused you to act in a certain way to them. Maybe you put up blocks and barricades against that person to keep them a, a distance from you. And you were... Uh, having a hard time walking in love to that person. And you found bitterness, even unforgiveness coming up towards that person because of these things that were said. And then you got more. And then you, um, it, it, it hardened you more to that person. And pretty soon you would go around, you would basically talk about them as an unsaved person. I can't believe that person actually thinks that they're a Christian. I can't believe that person is actually in the body of Christ. I think that they're a wolf in sheep's clothing. You just say all these kind of things about them and, and so forth. I want to throw this out to you. If God, because remember in John it says, test the spirits. If God truly shared something with you about another person and it causes you to have a reaction that is outside of the word of God, that is outside of walking in love, if you were God, would you share any more? I bet you 100% of us would say no if you were God and what you were sharing was having a wrong reaction. Why would you share any more? And yet, how many times, how many of you don't know people, they keep getting more on that same line, but they keep having the same bad reaction. What spirit do you think they're getting that from? But they have accepted it as truth. And it is sending them down a wrong path. If God reveals things to you about an individual, it may be for protection. That may be part of the, of the thing. But once he's, he's warned you, that would really be all that he has to do, right? That would be it. There'd be nothing more. If God is going to continue to share, if it really is God, if God is sharing with you insights on a person's life, would he not want you to go and to love on them? To get them into the kingdom? Isn't that the response that God would have for you? I've got to be careful about some of this stuff, folks, because sometimes we're having bad reactions and blaming it on God. God has shown me some dirt on people. I don't ask him to. I don't generally want to know it. Sometimes God has shown me some dirt on some people. And what I've done is I've taken it to them, I've approached them about it, and says, uh, this is, uh, I'm getting this about God for you. And talk to them about it and help them get over it, help them get out of it. I don't mention it to anyone else. Most times I've ever had a meeting with somebody to tell them about something that God told me that is negative, I don't even tell anybody I had the meeting. I find a way to meet with them in a way that no one will ever find out that I met with them or see me meeting with them so that I never have to say, 
Well, I met with so-and-so, straighten them out. <laughs> Don't ever want to have to do that. You see, folks, if God's going to share you with some things, he's going to help you. Now, I have word on that, just so in case you were wondering. There was one time Jesus was walking down the road, and he stopped on the road, and he looked up into a tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, come on down. You're the next contestant on Serve Jesus Lunch. I'm coming to your house for dinner. And so he was all excited and he, he went on over. And Jesus didn't say, man, you are some kind of a sinner. Look at this beautiful house that you built and you stole the money from other people. Doesn't do all that, does he? Comes on in there and he has fellowship with them. And what's Zacchaeus do? You know what, Jesus? Man, I tell you, I'm changing my ways. I'm fixing the path I was, I'm not going down this path anymore. And if I've taken things from people that I shouldn't have taken, I'm fixing them, I'm making it right. Isn't that a better way? Isn't that a better way to do it? Now, God did continue to show him some things about the Pharisees, even though the road there to open that up wasn't, wasn't there. But he did it, and he even said why. He told the disciples, remember, beware of the leaven of the Sadducees and Pharisees. Because you see, the things they were teaching would get inside people and infect them. And so he's doing things to warn people about that. But did it right out there in the open. Did it right out there in the open. If people are going to hear from God, they're going to have God-like reactions. And if they don't, if you were God, wouldn't you shut that down? I'd shut it down. That's just sort of a little side note here on this. Remember Jesus? Woman at the well? We're having this discussion. And Jesus says, go get your husband. Bring him on along. I don't have a husband. He says, that's right. I've had five husbands. You're just living with a guy now. <laughs> he doesn't say that to anybody else. Between him and her. Only one's there. And she's the one that went out there proclaim what Jesus said. Make sure you get this, this blank I got in your outline for you. The worst we can do is to accept the truth and not live by it or act on it. That's about the worst thing you can do. To accept something as true and not live by it. To accept... Can picture this. People accept that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he's the Messiah, but they keep living their life the way they want to live it. Isn't that the worst thing to do? We don't change our life. I don't alter my life. I don't try and get my life into the pattern of the Word of God. I believe that God is God, but I'm not changing anything. That's, that's not good. And we can keep on listing things there, but the worst thing you can do is to accept the truth and not live by it or act on it. Now look at this. She approaches Jesus thinking that he desired to minister God's power. Didn't she? She approached Jesus thinking that he desired, he wanted to minister the power of God. And what did she get? What did she find when she came up to Jesus? Man, I don't want to do nothing. I don't want 
I don't want to walk in the power. I don't want to demonstrate the power. I just want to be here and nobody recognize me. Nobody even know I'm here. Maybe he had one of those sweatshirt hoodies. Pulled it up. Covered his face. I don't know. He didn't want anybody to see him. She came expecting that he wanted to minister the power of God. But that wasn't exactly what she found, was it? Huh. But she kept going. If you came to someone and you expected that, well, I'll give you there. You walk into the Walmart. You walk into the Walmart and you expect, how many expect that Walmart wants to sell you stuff? How many believe that? Walmart wants to sell you stuff. So you walk in to the Walmart and you want to buy something, but you don't know where it is. And so you ask the friendly Walmart helper, where is... You are laughing already. You find the friendly Walmart helper and ask, where can I find this? And they say, oh, I know exactly where that is. Let me take you to it. How many have run into that? (laughs) A couple people run into that. How many have run into, I have no idea. And they don't try and help you find it. You got to go find it on yourself. But you went in there thinking that Walmart wants to sell you stuff. And you were surprised you found out that, you know what? The people here in Walmart don't want to sell me anything. I keep asking for help. They're not very helpful. And when they do, (sighs) this is not what I expected. But you have a desire to buy that thing because you like the price or whatever it might be. And so you put up with some of this attitude because you want to buy this even though you came in expecting that Walmart wanted to sell you some things. Found out, well, they don't really want to sell you that. They don't want to work that hard to sell you stuff. Mm-mm. So Jesus made some statements that made her think, man, he's not too willing I mean, first off, he doesn't respond. And after we're not responding, then when he does respond, he calls me a dog. Hmm. Uh, I'm not finding what I thought I would find here. And that Jesus would be willing and, and, and jump on this. But she stayed with it. She stays with it. And says, Yes, Lord. But even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Wow. Most of us got offended way before then. We never got to a place where we could have said that. See, too many of us, we let circumstances and statements from others sway our belief. Her belief when she came in there was that Jesus wanted to minister the healing power of God. But Jesus' actions and Jesus' statements and then eventually his statements from the disciples left the impression 
Maybe they're not as willing as I had believed. Now look at this. This verse is powerful. This verse, this ought to be on your refrigerator. I know which ones are on your refrigerator. I know. They will rise up with wings as eagles. Right? I can do all things. Yeah, you got all the easy ones on there. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. O woman, great is your faith. Now let me ask you this question. When the women entered the room, did her faith change? After Jesus' statements, does her faith change? Her faith is the same. There is no difference in the faith of this woman from the time that she made, started to make the journey to the time that she entered into the room to the time that Jesus said all the things he said. There is no change in her faith. But now Jesus says, great is your faith. Now what is it that gets the attention of Jesus? Faith gets the attention of Jesus. Well, how much more would great faith get the attention of Jesus? So, if she had great faith, according to Jesus, why is it she did not get his attention when she first walked through the door? Anybody ever ask that question? If Jesus says, great is your faith, he does not say this often. If Jesus says, great is your faith, then what is it that happened that made the faith that she have, faith that she had, what made it stand out as being great faith? And it's real simple. It's a real easy explanation as to what happened here. Put this in your outline for you. The woman heard the word from Jesus. It's the first thing. She heard the word from Jesus. She recognized the source. What's the source of what Jesus says? The source is the Father. Because Jesus only says and does what the Father says and does. That's it. So when Jesus says, you're a dog, where did it come from? It came from the Father. So first off, she recognized the source. Second, she accepted it no matter she accepted no matter what her emotions or intellect told her. No matter what her emotions told her, she accepted the truth that was said. She accepted it as truth. See, sometimes Christians, we get our emotions all involved. We get our feelings hurt, and it throws our faith. Doesn't matter what her intellect told her. Well, honey, you ought to be offended at what he just called you. He just called you a dog. Did you hear that? He just called you a dog. That's fighting words right now. You should just get up and make a scene and get out of here. Let everybody know. Well, I never. Recognize the source. Accepted Accepted it no matter what her emotions or intellect told her. Third, declared truth based upon it. So she heard what Jesus said. I've only come for the house of Israel. 
the children of the house of Israel, uh, not for the dogs. And she said, true, Lord. That's true. And then she makes a statement based upon the truth she just said. But even the little dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. Now look at this. She does not speak words to contradict the truth already, already declared. She does not stand up there and say, I am not a dog. I am worthy of your time. Doesn't say any of that. Doesn't try and disagree with any of the truth out there. Just accepts it and declares something new based upon what she just learned. Remember Peter walking on the water? Why did he walk on the water? Because Jesus said, come. So because Jesus said, come, hops out, walks on the water. And then all of a sudden, what happens? Look at the wind and the waves. Oh, man. I don't know if I can really do this. And then he began to sink. And Jesus came over and grabbed him. See, until he focused on all that other stuff, he was walking on the water. All right, you ready for this part? Great faith is moved completely by spirit perception or revelation. Those things you get in your spirit. Great faith is moved completely by spirit perception or revelation and zero by natural perception or what happens around us. Great faith is moved completely by spiritual perception. What you, what you hear in your spirit. Is, your great faith is moved completely by that. That's all that is moved by. Zero by natural perception or what happens around us. Regular faith is affected by both. Regular faith is affected by the things that we perceive in our spirit as well as the things that go on. Remember the, the one man who came to Jesus? Jesus, I believe, help now my unbelief. He had regular faith. It was moved by what he got in the spirit and what he got by his eyes and his ears and his intuition or his, you know, just sensing some things. Not necessarily revelation in the spirit. Weak, weak faith may start out in the first area, what you get in your spirit, but moves to the second before their faith finishes its work. That's, that's weak faith. Weak faith starts out in the area where I'm, I'm moved by what I get in my spirit, but before we get what we need, we've moved completely over and that we're swayed by what we hear, what's reported to us, and so forth. Case in point, that would be Israel. Israel when they came to the promised land and they sent the spies out and they're all, they got to God's word. God's word said, you've got to take the land. They're all ready. We're going to take the land. We're going to take the land. And we sent the spies out and the spies come back and say, this land is wow. This land has all kinds of good stuff going on in it. Uh, but the giants are there. The sons of Anakim are there. These guys are, these huge guys, they're there. And, uh, well, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And, well, we can't take the land. We can't do it. And so they started out kind of in regular faith where the Israelites are being moved by what God said as well as, well, there's no water, there's no, they're kind of being moved by both. But then they got into a spot where 
everything was gone now. We're in weak faith. And what did God do about that? I reject you guys. You guys are gone. You guys are gone. Now, if you want to, you might not have room to write these down. I just, I wrote down some phrases that indicate that your faith is not in the great faith category. How many want to hear some phrases that if you say them, it's probably an indication that you are not in the great faith category. Here's some phrases that you, that you might say. First one, I'm so tired of this. Have you ever said that? Why are you saying that? Because I'm not relying on what came in my spirit. I'm relying on what I see and what I feel. I keep fighting and fighting, but... You ever said that? Yeah, but this one. I just can't seem to get the victory. Here's one. I don't know what else to do. Everybody said that one? Yeah. That's an indication, folks. We are not in the great faith category. <laughs> That's okay. There's a whole lot of people in the Bible who are not in the great faith category and still got stuff done. But you'll get a lot more done if you get yourself over in the great faith category. Hey, by this, why do I have to go through this? Here's one for you. Don't raise your hand if you've done this one. Lord, I need a good report. That's someone who's not in the great faith category. Here's my last one for you. Show me a sign. <laughs> Lord, show me a sign. Show me something. See, we all want to get to this place where we hear, this is what Jesus said to her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. We all want to hear this part. Let it be to you as you desire. How many of you would like to hear right now, Jesus comes down, Angel Gabriel comes down, stands before you and says, Nick, let it be to you as you desire. How many would like to have that? Oh, yeah. You wake up tomorrow morning, instead of your alarm clock going off, bright light fills the room. Angelic being there. And they say to you, until let it be to you as you desire. And until says, yeah, that's, that's great. Appreciate it. Can I, get, can I get my last 10 minutes of sleep? I, I'm pretty sure that's not what's going to happen. What happens? You leap up. Glory to God. We're happy. But the reason that he said, let it be to you as your desire, is because he first said, great is your faith. If you can put yourself into the category of one who has great faith, you can get the second part of that verse. Let it be to you as you desire. He didn't say as God desires. He says as, as you desire. But we don't want to have the great desire to pursue what is needed for great faith. All right, here's the end of this. Great faith is this. First off, accept truth revealed. You test it out, you try it out, but once you have that truth, you accept it, what God has revealed. 
When God has revealed His truth in His Word, you accept the truth. You declare, and there's number two, you declare or act based upon that truth. Whatever that truth is, you make a declaration or you act upon it. The woman with the issue of blood, she came into her truth and she declared with her mouth, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. The, uh, the centurion came to Jesus and said, I too am a man under authority. I say this one go and he goes, this one come and he, co- he comes. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. He declared it. And Jesus said, I have not seen such great faith in all Israel. Isn't it interesting that the people he singled out as having great faith, one is a Gentile centurion and another one is a Syrophoenician woman. Hmm. Number three. Depend on no natural stimulation. Depend on no natural stimulation. Nothing. I don't need a good report from the doctor. I don't need to feel like this is going through. I don't need any of those things. All I need is when he declares something, I, I, do, I, I do act on it. Remember the nobleman. The nobleman came to Jesus. Come with me. And heal my son. And Jesus says to him, can't believe all you guys want signs. Everybody go. Everyone wants signs. Signs, 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 signs. No sign. No sign for you. Not going to give it to you. And he says to the nobleman, he says what? Go your way, your son lives. He's got nothing to base it on. He's got no report. He's got no feeling, no sense. He's got no cell phone. He's got nothing. And what's he do? He turns around and he goes home. A day's journey to get on home to find out his son is alive. Our faith needs too much natural stimulation to keep it going. And because it does, we keep ourselves in the area of regular faith. God wants to be able to speak revelation to you about His Word. And when He speaks it to you, you act on it. You immediately put it to work. Once you got that truth, you immediately put it to work, then God can give you more. And then God can give you more. And then God can give you more. He can keep on going. Now, here's, here's some things. Well, we've been talking about the area of healing. We've got some things, <clears throat> we've got some things going on in our body. Some people might have a condition like high blood pressure or a blood sugar disorder. Some of us might have a heart condition. You can name all kinds of things that are going on. You could have a, a stomach issue. You may have uh, problems in your, uh, pains in your joints or, or things along. All these kind of things can go on. Now here's, here's the thing. You, you go for the Word of God and you believe the Word of God. I'm healed. I'm this, that, and go through all that. And then God speaks another word to you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but you just answer it to yourself. How many of you have believed when you have been, been asking God about a health condition that you have, have believed that God told you something to do? 
I've heard people say this in the Christian, Christian circles. I've heard people say this. I'm, think, I'm feeling in my spirit that God is telling me to change my diet. Anybody ever felt that? I'm feeling in my spirit that I need to start exercising. I need to start walking. I need to start whatever it might be that you... Anybody? Don't raise your hand. But have you felt those kind of things? If God has truly spoken to those, those things to you and you accepted it as truth to where you are making a declaration and says, I think God is telling me I ought to stop drinking coffee so much. I'm not telling you the coffee's bad. I'm just throwing things out there to you, all right? You drink as much coffee as your spirit lets you drink. That's fine. <laughs> I don't go around telling people not to eat eggs and drink coffee. And I don't drink coffee. That's because I don't like it. If I liked it, I'd probably be drinking it. But I eat eggs. I love eggs. I like eggs raw. I like eggs cooked. I know that's gross to all you folks. I take raw eggs, crack them up into a big mixer thing. Two, three eggs. I have raw eggs. I have cooked eggs. Folks, I've had so many eggs in my life. Eggs are good. They're, they're, they're good, good stuff for you. But anyway, that's not what our topic is. Topic is this. If God has, and you really believe that God has told you to act, act for the health of your body in a certain way. And you've gone around. Maybe you've done this for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And you have said, I'm feeling like I ought to be exercising more. I'm feeling like I ought to be eating more salads. I'm feeling like I need more vegetables, fruits. I'm feeling, this is coming up my spirit. I need to, and you, you say what it is, but then Monday comes. And it's not going on. And Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And somebody heard you say it and say, hey, how are you doing on that exercise? How are you doing on that diet? And you say, well, I'm trying. I just haven't gotten it going yet. Anybody said something like that? Yeah, I'm trying. But and then we list the problems that are in our way. I want to start walking, but oh, it's so cold outside. Right? Uh, I want to do, I want to do, I, I was going to join a gym, but you know, it costs money. And then I have to drive over to the gym. I don't want to drive over to the gym. And, uh, well, I want to start eating right, but I, it costs so much money to eat like that. I don't have the money to spend to eat that, that way and so on. We have excuses. If you truly believe that God spoke to you, and told you to do something to help your physical body and you have not acted on it. Folks, your faith is not even close to the great category. You may not even be in regular faith because you have allowed the weather, the money, the convenience, whatever it might be that you listed, you let all these things come in and influence you. Whereas God has truly said to you, this is what you need to do. If God has truly said, Steve, he has never said this to me. So I'm just going to use me as an example. Steve, 
you need to exercise more. He has never said that to me. Generally, I have to put a break on how much I exercise. Because I love to exercise. My running buddy, though, he, he blew me out of the water on, on yesterday. He ran a half marathon for fun in the morning. I wasn't able to join him because we had something else going on. Would have loved to join him on it. And then in the afternoon, he, rode, he ran for another three and a half miles. I wrote a message that says, John, you just ran a half marathon this morning. He says, I know. I just felt like running again. This is, this is a good running buddy for me, isn't it? <laughs> John's a good running buddy for me to have. But if God has said something like that to you, see, God might, say, might tell me, he says, Steve, don't run today. Really? Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> if God has spoken to you to change something, it's for your benefit. And if you don't listen to him and change what he's telling you to change, and then your faith is not only great, it may not even be regular. And if you don't change these things and you don't have faith in those, how can you tell me you have faith in his word when you won't do what he, would you very clearly have said, God told me to do this. If we get ourselves trained up to be to the place that when God speaks something to me, whatever it might be, he might say, my wife and I were having this conversation yesterday, eat more blueberries. <laughs> blueberries are good for you. They do all kinds of good things for you. If this came up in your spirit, eat more blueberries. My consideration is not how much I like blueberries. My consideration is not how much blueberries cost at the store. My consideration is not how many things can I make with blueberries. What is my consideration? I'm going to find a way to eat more blueberries. I'm going to eat blueberries in the morning for breakfast. I'm going to eat blueberries in the afternoon for lunch. I'm going to put blueberries on my dinner. Because that's what God said. And when you get so sold out that whenever God has said and you know that God has said a certain thing, no one can deter you. You're going to be like the woman from Syrophoenicia who knew that God wanted to heal her daughter and came to Jesus with the approach that I know you want to get this done. And Jesus gave her no indication that she wanted to. Nothing outside stimulation told her, yeah, I want to do this. And she kept pressing on. And then when Jesus called her a dog and the outside inspiration that she got was bad, she continued to press on and say, even the dogs. Fine, I'm a dog. Bark, bark. <laughs> but even the dogs get the little crumbs. And Jesus turned to her and says, woman, man, great is your faith. I'll tell you what, a lot of people would have stopped at this point, but you didn't. You kept pressing in. You kept pressing on no matter what it was that you saw. You kept pressing in. You were that sold out to what you knew about me was true. Let it be unto you as you desire. That's some good words right there, isn't it? Get rid of the other words out of your vocabulary. If God has spoken to you and told you, spend more time with Him in the morning. If He has told you, spend more time reading the Word. Spend time doing this. Minister to people. Look for people for you to speak to or help out. You say, you show me which way. I don't look to my resources and say, well, God, I don't know anything. I don't have anything. If God says, 
you need to do this. I say, fine. If you're telling me I need to do it, you supply it and you point me in the right direction and you help me get it done. If you get that sold out to the principles that you know of the Word of God, then your faith will be described as great. How many people want to have great faith? Yeah. Do the things that are necessary. Ignore whatever. When that report comes, my wife got a report from the doctor this week. <laughs> she read it and says, this is what they said. I think they misinterpreted the results. <laughs> I just went on. Just uh, See, not moved by it. Don't get moved by all this stuff that happens. Stay moved by what it is the Word of God has said. What has God told you to do? And you stay with that. What has God given you revelation about healing? You stay with that. What has God given you revelation on? He told me to do this thing over here. And you start doing it. You ever, you ever have God tell you, start exercising? And you start exercising and stuff you never knew you had before start hurting? What should you do? Oh, well, I didn't know it was going to hurt like this. I mean, my knees and my ankles, oh, and my back, oh, and what, God didn't know all that? See, if I believe that God told me something, I believe that God knew the end from the beginning and he knew everything that I would face. And if God told me to do it, I can do it. And if you get that convinced, and no matter what it is that you face, I've told you some of the stories of me coming back from an injury and I just follow the thing doing what God tells me to do and I remember many times going out there and running and limping as I'm running but see I, I didn't have my spirit stop I had my spirit no it's time you can, you can push on now you can go and I'm going and oh it hurts oh it hurts limping the whole way I'm thinking if anybody ever watched me run on this when I, when I was coming back they, what in the world is that guy doing guy can barely walk here he is running on down the road See, if God tells you you can do something in your spirit, I don't care what your body is telling you. You can do it. I don't care what people are telling you. You can do it. If God has given you revelation that you can get it done, you can get it done. And when you get to that spot, no matter what discouragement, what discouraging thing comes to you, you can stand up to it. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. You have spoken things to us. You have given us revelation. You have told us things to do to help our situation. Right now we're looking at your word for healing, but there's other areas in our life that you may have spoken to. When we're believing you for healing on a thing, there are times you've told us to do stuff to get us ready or to avoid something down the road. We're not listening. Father, we want to hear what you have to say. We want to act on that revelation as if it's true. And no matter what our body or what people or what things or what the atmosphere around us is telling us, if you told us we can do it, we can do it. We're going to move ourselves from weak and regular faith into great faith. Because it's pretty clear what great faith is. Great faith is not moved by the things that go on around us. Great faith is not moved by natural circumstances. Great faith is moved by what is revealed to us in our spirit. We thank you for it and give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord.
Well, I'm not sure where we're going to have another week on this next week or if we move on to the next section. But as you are facing things, as you are overcoming things, I mean, turn those, turn those testimony cards in. It, it encourages other people. Let us know what it is that you're doing. Let us know what it is that's going on. That, um, that, that you can see these changes. Sometimes we have come to God and we've asked God, God, I need healing. I need this. But what it, but the problem is, the reason it's not coming is because God spoke to you two months ago to start doing something, to start changing something, and you didn't believe His Word. You didn't act on His Word. And that put a stop in your faith. You've got to repent of that. Father God, I repent. You told me to start doing this before. I repent. I'm doing it now. And stop giving in to all the excuses that we have because we've got a whole lot of excuses out there to tell us why we shouldn't be doing this, why we shouldn't be doing that. Let's not, let's not buy into it. Before we, we move on to our covered dish dinner, hopefully all of you can stay for that. Let's close this part of the service out with this part. Jesus Christ made his will known about what is going on with our bodies. Before he was crucified, he took his disciples in the upper room and he gathered them all together because he was going to give them some instruction. This is the last time he was going to give instruction to his disciples. Think about that. The last time, you know this is the last time I'm going to be here in a formal setting to give this instruction to them. And he pulls this out. And he says, This bread represents my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That upon the body of Jesus Christ was put all of our sickness and disease. Just as much as he bore your sins, he bore your sickness and disease. He bore your sickness and disease in his body. He took care of the sin problem with his blood. The blood doesn't, doesn't deal with the sickness problem. You ever heard people pleading the blood over sickness and disease? The reason I get passionately upset about that is because the blood does not deal with sickness and disease. What does? The body. What deals with, with, with uh, unforgiveness or for, with, with uh, sin, forgiveness? The blood. Understand the working of each. And let them have their perfect work in you. He says, don't forget this stuff. So do this as often as often as you can. Do this and do, remember. And he took his body first. This represents my body, which is broken for you. That tells you what his will is. His will is that sickness and disease not be part of your life because he took it. He bore it for you. As we eat together the bread, let's remember, it's the body of Jesus Christ. That's where it was done. Let's eat together. At the end of supper, is it a whole meal in between? The bread's at the beginning. Blood is at the end. And Jesus, when he passed it around, he passed around wine. He didn't have underage problems. Other such things. We use grape juice. Doesn't matter, it's representing the same thing.
He said, this represents the blood of the new covenant. Under the old covenant, under the old covenant, the blood of bulls and goats covered up sin, but Jesus' blood washed it away. All the sins. Paid for it. We are redeemed. As we drink together, let's remember what Jesus did on the cross. Shedding his blood is all we need for the forgiveness of sins. Let's drink together. Father, we thank you for the work that you sent Jesus to do on the cross, and that work was done. On his body was put sickness and disease, and by his blood we obtained forgiveness, and we are redeemed. We thank you for it. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you all can stick around for some, some food. If you didn't uh, remember to bring anything, please stick around. We're going to be ordering some pizzas next door. We'll have plenty of food over here for people to come. We're going to be done by about 2.15. you got to eat somewhere. You may as well eat here. We'd love to have you to, to be here. we got some things to go over for game night coming up. We have some things to go over. We talk, we've been announcing this. You all better be ready. Christmas Eve, we're deciding today what time that is. If you're not here, you don't get a vote. got to be here to vote. Now, if you're... You can't make it, and you want to tell me your vote on the way out, that's fine. Of course, I'll be the only one who represents it, so I can adjust it any way that I want to, because you're not here. I have nothing up here. I, I don't know who the he is, so. What was your prayer request? Oh, all right. You need healing in your hip? Yeah. I didn't see a... All gone. Didn't I see that one? All right, before we go. Where's my usher? There we are. All right. Glory to God. Don't worry about that. Focus up here. Refocus on faith. Keep our focus on faith. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, what do you want to have happen in this hip? Mm-hmm. I need to be healed. It's when I'm standing up in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I cook. And it just hurts. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for the power of God that is here in this earth, in this place, for the purpose of restoring what is not right. In the name of Jesus, the power of God goes out now to fill this body and to restore what is needed. We thank you, thank you for that power. Glory be to God. Hip, in the name of Jesus, we just speak to you right now. You are healed by the power of God and pain is a thing of the past. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Well, you keep speaking to that hip too. I'll tell you what, sometimes they like to talk back to us. Jesus spoke to a fig tree. That fig tree was talking to him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you coming up for prayer? Come on. This is all right. I'm having a lot of problems with my back. Okay. Where at? Lower. Lower back? Yeah. All right, come on. Glory be to God.
Now, see, we're into an area when we get into the, we'll, we'll be talking about this in a little while. But we're getting to an area where we're talking about not sickness and disease. Sickness and disease you handle differently. That's under the authority of God. When you get into the area of injuries and things of that restorative things, that's the power of God. That's a different, different thing. And when you come to the power of God, you need to access the power of God. Just because you want something done in the power of God doesn't mean that it happens. You've got to do what's necessary to, to, to have that. The woman with the issue of blood needed the power of God. And even though she believed, nothing changed until she accessed that power. When we access the power, there's the change. Now, sometimes people just want to come through and they go through the motions. You go through the motions, you won't touch the power. I'd be just like all the other people with the woman with the issue of blood, all the other people touching Jesus. Touching Jesus, nothing happened. But you see, she accessed it. Why is it her touching his garment changed? Because she touched it in faith. Making a declaration, this will happen. Make a declaration that says, well, I hope something happens. Nothing will happen. Make a declaration that says, if I know, if I touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. And things happen. It's all about the accessing the power. We haven't gotten into that far yet in this series. Done it in the past, but we'll get into it here in the, in the future. So the power of God is going to come upon your body to restore whatever it is that's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. I don't need to know what's wrong. And it isn't my power. It's God's power. I'm going to lay hands on you. And when I do that, the power of God is going to come into your body to heal whatever it is that's going on. You ready? Yeah. All right. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, the healing power of God right now into this body to restore all the things going on with that back in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What are some things you couldn't do before? Can't stand from all no, 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 no. I, I, not I can't. That's, that's ongoing. Couldn't. There you go. I couldn't walk. Uh-huh. And I couldn't stand for long periods of time. Okay. Now, see, it's not just semantics. I'm not just trying to get you to change words for changing the word's sake. If you think one way, it comes out in that way. You've got to get your thinking to the point where I, I, I'm expecting to change. Change is here. This is the, this is the change. So what are, what are some of the things that before you couldn't do? I couldn't stand for long periods of time and I couldn't walk. And you couldn't walk. Couldn't stand for a long period of time. Right. All right. So you have to go home and stand for a long period of time for us to hear about how that one's doing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But how about just any kind of walking? All right, go take a walk around the church. No, I just walk. We're just we're just just walking. Yeah. What are you believing for? What are you believing for? Okay, healed of. Healed of. What kind of what kind of mind do you want? I want a peaceful and a happy one. Your mind that you have and the thoughts you have are not peaceful ones. No, not quite enough. Not okay. Not when I go out, I so that's want you want you want peaceful thoughts in your head. Yeah. All right. So we're going to pray for that. Do you believe that Jesus Christ restores minds for peaceful thoughts? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, right now, the power of God comes upon this mind and this mind is restored to peaceful thoughts. 
This mind is stayed on the Lord Jesus Christ. This mind is not distracted and pulled in all these other directions. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Peace. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Now, next week, when we see you, I want to hear about what your mind's been doing. If your mind tries to go in a way that's not peace, you speak to that mind. Mind, the peace of God is yours. Let me hear you say it. Mind, the peace of God is yours. The peace of God is yours. That's right. The peace of God is mine. Say it this way. The peace of God is mine. peace of God is mine. Now, we're not trying anything. We're doing it. Okay? Okay. All right. Forward to God. You keep you keep speaking on that. Is this a normal, regular thing, or is it just something came up this week? Uh, periodically, and uh, he needs to be able to control that compass so he stops vomiting blood. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The power of God comes upon this body right now in Jesus' name to restore his mucus glands, everything to be functioning normally in Jesus' name. Restore Restoration to those things in Jesus' name. They function the way they were intended to function. And the bad functioning that they have been doing is a thing of the past now in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. All right. I want to hear about how that's, how that's going. It just it comes and goes and then goes away for a while and then comes back again? No. Okay. All right. Glory to God. You can always ask God for prayer. I'll tell you what, we, 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 we like, to, like to put God's power to the test. Now, well, you got prayer on, on the keep speaking to it. Don't just go on home and say, well, I guess that didn't change or, well, I guess I feel... No, you speak to it. If your body's telling you, well, I can't do that anymore, I'm going to stop. No, I'm going to do it. Glory be to God. All right. Well, we got some uh, we got some food going on here, and um, if we can use some of your help, we don't have some of our our, our guys who helped uh, rearrange all all that. But um, we need to move the chairs out and set the tables up, and I hope that y'all can stick around here and enjoy some food together. We'll be done by around two fifteen or so. Uh, it's going to take you that long to get something to eat anyway. You might as well stay here and have some have some food and enjoyment. All right, so uh, guys, if we can start moving the chairs around.